A shortage of popular weight loss drugs, Ozempic and Wegovy, is prompting people to buy its active ingredient, semaglutide, online. The FDA says don't do this. Patients are reporting adverse events and the products they're ordering often contain ingredients that the agency hasn't found safe or effective. This is Pulse Check. I'm Katherine Ellen Foley. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services have new details on how it plans to expand coverage for new Alzheimer's drugs. When the drugs receive traditional FDA approval, patients who want prescriptions will need to agree to enroll in a nationwide registry to track data about the drug's performance. Patient advocacy groups and some physicians have pushed back against this decision. They say the extra time it takes to enter data into the registry would likely be a barrier to access the drugs. And this week, our reporters will be watching as the House Ways and Means and Education and the Workforce Committees tackle virtual care legislation. The Education and the Workforce Committee is set to vote on legislation on Tuesday to allow employers to offer telehealth services as a tax-free benefit separate from other health plans. On Wednesday, the Ways and Means Committee will consider legislation that would permanently extend another pandemic-era policy, allowing high-deductible health plans to pay for telehealth before patients hit their deductibles. And an openly autistic and LGBTQ state legislator recently pushed back against an emerging but unfounded line of attack on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Michael Schaefer is here to explain. Hey, thanks for having me. So Steve Bannon made a comment which used an autism diagnosis to explain Ron DeSantis's Twitter campaign rollout alongside Elon Musk, which was echoed across the MAGA ecosystems. Can you explain how this narrative could affect the broader autistic community, their advocacy efforts, and even healthcare professionals? Right. So Ron DeSantis is this rather awkward campaign rollout alongside Elon Musk. There was a lot of jargon thrown around. They went kind of deep into some online obsessions of the right. It was not like smooth and cool. And that kind of is in keeping with his broader reputation. If a lot of politicians are like abnormally slick at work in a room, he is kind of the opposite. So Bannon and quite a lot of other people, but he said it publicly, have decided this means he is on the autism spectrum. And threw that out there and it was like sort of echoed by other people in the MAGA system. And the idea was this is like a bad and disqualifying thing and a thing that should be mocked. And I think within the world of people who are are on the spectrum or advocates for those folks or, or people who study autism, this has kind of led to a kind of dread about what lies ahead. Because the problem is we don't know. Like there's lots of reasons why somebody could have a, a bumbling campaign rollout or not be so slick in a diner when they're pressing the flesh. And attached this thing to a specific condition that a lot of people have, that people are fighting against discrimination about, who are trying to demonstrate that they're just as able to hold a job or be a good friend or a neighbor or a leader, kind of attaching it in a negative way, using the term as a kind of weapon against somebody, really fills people with dread as backsliding. If you think that with sort of within a generation, stereotypes have moved from like Rain Man to the person in your office who is maybe a little different than you, but basically just another worker. People are very worried about weaponizing diagnoses in a way that backslide. And you've spoken with some state legislators who've disclosed that they are on the autism spectrum. Can you tell us about those conversations? How do they view this emerging narrative surrounding DeSantis? 
Well, I had one conversation with a Pennsylvania state legislator. She's one of the first elected officials who was open before even she was elected. She was a co-founder of an autism advocacy organization in Pittsburgh, and she's a Democrat. And you know, her view is, look, jerks are spread uh, equally across the population. The autistic community has just as many jerks as any other community does, and just as many heroes, and so on. And an unusual position to be kind of pushing back against an attack on this very, very conservative Republican. But the idea was it's somebody's diagnosis is nobody's business but their own and weaponizing this term to knock somebody for sort of things that are conventionally made fun of, like not being interpersonally cool. is a way of delegitimizing somebody. And if you delegitimize one person because you say they're autistic, that means you're kind of attacking the entire community of people out there, which by definition is a whole spectrum of people. That brings me back to something that you said previously, which is that there is sort of a wariness in the community of folks on the spectrum or autism advocates about what the next 18 months could look like if this discourse continues. Can you talk a little bit more about what some of the potential consequences might be and what some of the specific fears are within these advocates? I mean, one, people who probably should know better, spectrum has become shorthand for all kinds of social awkwardness. And there's plenty of socially awkward people, not all of them on the spectrum, and there's plenty of explanations for a campaign thing gone bad. And so this perpetuates a stereotype that then makes it harder for people to, you know, get jobs and get acceptance and not be discriminated against and so on. I think that's the basic dread that's out there. You know, I think this isn't the first time that we have seen the public speculate about something private about a politician. Can you talk about how the public's increased access to real-time information and ability to share these opinions online might contribute to the spread of these diagnoses? And do we think that's going to be a continued trend in politics in general? Like this is America. We are obsessed, unfortunately, or fortunately, with our politicians, particularly people who want to be president or people who are president. And one of the things that has changed with technology is that there's just so many more people watching. Like if you do some stupid campaign event early in the campaign season, you go to New Hampshire, you press the flesh at a town meeting or a diner or something. Even 20 years ago, okay, the witnesses to that are like the people who happen to be in the diner and the very small handful of reporters or campaign aides or whoever who might be tagging along. And that's kind of it. But now the witnesses include like the entire world, include you or me, because there is streaming video of that available at the touch of a fingertip. In a lot of ways, this is good. We have a lot more transparency in politics. But if you're sitting there and you're watching this, you can now, with noble intent or with ignoble intent, you can start behaving a lot like the boys on the bus, as they called them, used to do back in the day, which is to say, throwing around a bunch of theories like, I think he's drunk. A lot of these things are incredibly hurtful and damaging and reputation harming. And you can also share them with the world. And so when Trump was president, there was a lot of people who had watched Trump, not like Trump, saw things that were going on and decided that they were going to pull out their own DSM and diagnose that. Now, we know that it is unethical. You are not empowered to diagnose somebody with an actual medical condition if you haven't examined them as their medical professional. But people do it all the time. There's just a lot more ability to do that, push it out into the world, have it become a thing. And particularly for people who have ill intent, who are trying to tear someone down, it's just a lot easier to get that going. And with Autism Spectrum, there is no such agreement about that. And in fact, there is a large community, a very, very large community of people who have been pushing back against discrimination and against stereotypes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for all of this reporting. It's been really interesting. Hey, my pleasure.
And before you go, I wanted to let you know about Politico's upcoming healthcare summit on June 7th. Hear from White House COVID-19 response coordinator Ashish Jha, Office of National Drug Control Policy Director Rahul Gupta, and more. We'll discuss the innovations transforming healthcare in America. You can learn more and register for in-person or remote attendance by visiting www.politico.com slash healthcare summit. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.